Okay, so uh, we are, uh, as Robin said, continuing uh, in our series uh, on uh, heaven. Uh, we're looking at uh, what the Bible says about what happens uh, when we die, uh, what the Bible says about what happens uh, at the end of time. Um, so I know a lot of you are here uh, for uh, a, ba- uh, a baby dedication, a baby Thanksgiving uh, service. It may seem a little bit strange uh, to be talking uh, about heaven uh, in that context. Uh, but actually, uh, as we go through, I hope that I can show how uh, this, this stuff is, is really relevant uh, for uh, us here today um, and what we're celebrating. So, um, the passage that I'm going to be speaking on, uh, the words should come up on the screen uh, behind me, uh, is 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 20 to 28. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each uh, in turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet, Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who puts everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Okay. So, here we have a a passage uh, that starts with the word but... It's kind of helpful when you have a passage like that to kind of think a little bit about what went before. Um, So the context for this uh, is uh, the uh, church in Corinth uh, were questioning uh, the resurrection. It's something uh, that you hear quite a lot uh, in our day, in our, in our culture, um, the idea that actually this life uh, is all there is uh, and we best, uh, we, we should make the best of it uh, for that reason. But Paul is reminding uh, these Christians uh, in Corinth uh, that the resurrection, the fact that there is a resurrection, is central to their faith. It's central uh, to God's purposes uh, for them now. It's central for God's purposes to the world. Um, It's central to living a godly life that's full of hope for what God will do, both now and uh, into the future. So Paul tells uh, the Corinthians uh, in no uncertain terms Uh, that the resurrection did happen. Jesus was crucified, then raised to life by God, uh, the Father, after three days. Uh, And without this fact, their faith is entirely uh, in vain. This passage is also uh, a big picture uh, passage. It helps us to understand a bit more uh, of the grand plan, the big story of God uh, that runs uh, from creation uh, to the very end uh, and how our own lives uh, can fit, uh, fit in with that. So I'm going to kind of deal with it in two halves uh, this morning. Um, uh, The first uh, section, verse 20 to 22, uh, and then the second bit. Um, And my heading for the first bit is Jesus' resurrection life versus our death uh, in Adam. So I'll just read those first three verses again. But Christ 
has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. To understand uh, these verses, we need to go uh, right back uh, to the beginning. As I was saying, you need to understand this, this big picture, this, this big story uh, that Paul is kind of tapping into as he, as he says these things to the Corinthians. Um, you need to go back uh, to Genesis. Of course, we know uh, that everyone dies. It says, in Adam, all die. Um, but in verse 20, uh, uh, he talks about Jesus being the first fruits of those who have fallen, uh, those who have fallen asleep. So he's using a different word here. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a euphemism that we use uh, now. Um, he's pointing to the fact that actually, through Jesus, death gets defeated. So why is it uh, that death came through a man? And why and how is it that God makes us alive in Christ? Well, the answer to, the why, to why God makes us alive is very simple. He makes us alive uh, because he loves us. He loves us because uh, we're made uh, in his image. So we're here uh, celebrating uh, the gift uh, of Anna uh, to Phil and Louise. She looks like Phil, she looks like Louise. Somehow, in some way, there is this amazing truth that the Bible teaches us that we all somehow look like God. This is mind-blowing stuff. I don't think we could ever fully understand that. It's, it, it's impossible to get your head around. But for this reason, because we are made in his image, he loves us. So I'm just going to read a few verses from Genesis that talk uh, about this. Genesis uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 27. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit uh, in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the land, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So we see here that God has joy and delight in everything uh, that he has made. But there's a special joy, there's a special delight uh, in mankind, there's a special delight in us. But that special joy, that special delight comes also with uh, responsibility. God put Adam and Eve over everything that he had made to take care of creation, to use it uh, beneficially. These kind of two things are drawn together uh, quite amazingly in a psalm uh, that actually uh, Paul quotes uh, at the end of this, um, this section from the, Corinthian, uh, the passage uh, in Corinthians that we've looked at. 
Um, so uh, if, you've got, if you're following in a paper Bible, keep your finger in Psalm 8, because I'll be coming back to that. You can see, uh, as I read these verses, there's an alternation between creation and us as we go through. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and with honour. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You have put everything under their feet. So just over two years ago, uh, I became a father for the first time. Um, And I remember holding Florence in my arms and feeling overawed at the responsibility that I had been given in that moment as a dad for a human life. The Bible says, puts this even more strongly in this, in this psalm. I was holding in that moment, you guys, when Anna was born, were holding the most glorious thing in all creation. It's the pinnacle, it's the very top. Human life, just a little lower than angels, did you notice in verse 2, it says, through the praise of children and influence, you have, infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe in the avenger. Such is the power that God has put in us as humankind that even the sound that could come from a baby, the weakness of that, when it's in line with God, when it's in line with his praise silences the enemy. So why does death come through a man? We read on uh, in the Genesis story um, and uh, find out about how this responsibility uh, for creation was first uh, misused. We find in Genesis 3, uh, the devil, Satan, uh, speaking to Adam about his place in the world. God said, you are to rule over this creation. But does God, do you really just want to do what God says and be subject to him? You've got your own ideas, you could do so much better. That's at the root of of what Satan was saying to him. Adam and Eve believed the snake and disobeyed God. As they did this, they put themselves out to be the ruler not only of all creation, but also of its creator. And humankind has been uh, living with the consequences of this decision ever since. So cut off from God, we find it hardwired into each one of us to make bad choices. The Bible calls this sin, uh, and the ultimate ultimate consequence uh, of sin, after an awful lot of other really bad things happening uh, between uh, people and to our world, uh, is death. And we've inherited this tendency from our parents, from their parents, 
right back through every generation to this first man, Adam. Hence we have in verse 22 this statement, in Adam all die. But it goes on to say that in Christ all will be made alive. We know that God loves us too much to leave us like that. We've just been celebrating, we've just been singing about and worshipping someone who entered that sinful bloodline, who took on human flesh and blood and came into a world where everyone sins, but he was without sin. He remained completely sin-free. He never made a bad choice against his Father in heaven. He was perfectly obedient, and people hated him for it. His life ended with a brutal execution. But through this man, Jesus, we will all be made alive. God raised him to life, and God will raise us to life too if we choose to trust him. If you want to know uh, what the resurrection uh, will look like, take a look at Jesus. This is what this thing about first fruits means. Jesus was absolutely recognisably himself, but he was wonderfully and gloriously changed in his resurrection. He had a new body. Uh, He was able to do some pretty um, cool things. He could walk through walls. Um, We have a hope and an expectation that we will be similarly transformed. So my second point, uh, looking at the second bit, Uh, of this um, uh, passage in Corinthians uh, is Jesus' rule and our hope. Verse 24 says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So what does um, this uh, handing over the kingdom, delivering uh, the kingdom to God the Father uh, mean? Well, the kingdom is the place uh, of God's rule. It's the place where his authority uh, is rightly exercised. It's the place where things are right and good. Uh, When I was uh, young, um, I'm I'm one of three, and we uh, used to play up my mum something terrible some days. Um, And uh, the words that you never, ever wanted to hear in my family were, I'm going to have to talk to your dad about this when he comes home. (laughs) Having to explain to dad what we'd done that day uh, was never a a pleasant experience in the moment. It was quite horrible. Um, But it was wonderful afterwards when we could... Uh, when we'd said sorry, when there'd been a hug, a family hug, um, and we put things right. None of us ever dared to disrespect Dad, and for my poor mum, there was peace and order uh, restored again uh, after whatever had gone on in the day. Delivering the kingdom to God the Father, it's like the cosmos is waiting for daddy to come home. (laughs) So in verses 27 and 28, uh, we have Paul quoting uh, this psalm that I asked you to put your finger in earlier, Psalm 8. Uh, 
he has put everything under his feet. And then he goes on to kind of explain a little bit um, this, uh, what, what this means. He says, now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Um, okay, hopefully I can help us understand it. It's, it's pretty... So Paul is, as I said, he's quoting Psalm 8. Uh, he has put everything under his feet. But this psalm, when you read the psalm, is clearly talking about all mankind. And Paul's clearly talking here about Jesus. So there seems to be a bit of a contradiction here. Is Paul misquoting uh, this psalm? I don't think he is at all. I think that this contradiction is actually uh, the point. So um, we're going to do a little bit of maths now. It's up on the, uh, the screen. There we go. Uh, Genesis 1, 27 to 28. Um, this is my, the way my brain works. Uh, I'm a chemist. I like things to be pictures. Um, so God put Adam over all things except God. But we've seen from what happened in uh, Genesis 3 what Adam chose. Adam chose to put himself over all things. And the consequence for that, for that sin, was death. And this is the position that we find ourselves in now, whether we like it or not. We live in this broken world. But God's put Jesus, on the next slide, over all things except God. That's what he's saying uh, in these two verses, in verse 27 uh, and 28. The Gospels clearly show us Jesus having authority over creation. He has authority over the weather, he calms storms, he has authority over food, over matter, he, he uh, multiplies uh, bread and fish, he has authority over drink, he makes water into wine. Uh, the Gospels also show us uh, Jesus having authority over sin and over evil. He had authority over sickness as he healed people. He had authority over evil spirits as he cast them out. And he had authority over death itself as he, raised, uh, he raises uh, P- Peter's mother-in-law, Jairus' daughter. He raises Lazarus uh, from the dead. He held the responsibility uh, that God had given to him perfectly. Unlike Adam, Jesus chose obedience to the Father even in the face of being asked to do something as huge as giving up his life to throw a lifeline to humanity. The result is the biggest and best daddy coming home moment for the whole of creation at Jesus' return. So at this time... Jesus chooses to put himself under God the Father as he is over all things. So the psalm is absolutely true. God put everything under our feet. But as Paul quotes it, in the light of what Jesus did through his life, death and resurrection, it only makes sense 
it suddenly makes sense in a whole new way. Jesus enters in Adam's place as a man and does what Adam could not do. Jesus rules over creation rightly. He conquers all evil. He restores and reconciles us to the Father as he does so. So we're here today because we're celebrating Anna coming into this world. We're celebrating a new life. We're saying thank you uh, to God for a new life. In uh, just a few moments, uh, Phil and Louise will be coming and standing where I am now. And uh, that, that says not only thank you to God for what you've given, uh, what they, they've been given from him. We've seen just how highly God honours and values that this morning, uh, what he says about us. But they're also asking for God's help in taking responsibility for Anna well. They're going to come and stand here to say that they recognise they can't do it well without God's help. It's an act of humility that is completely different from that first act uh, of Adam. Instead uh, of believing the lie of the devil... They're making a decision to do something that smacks him in the face. He comes again to each new generation with the same old lie that he told Adam and Eve. You can go it alone. You don't need God. You can do just as you please. You can be happy. And we, as family and friends, are going to stand with them to say that we agree with them And we support them as they make that decision, as they make that choice. And we will do everything that we can to help them. That means loving this family, honouring them, taking whatever opportunities we have to bless them and sharing the love of God with them just as we have received it ourselves. But as we stand and we do uh, these things, let's remember all that Jesus has achieved to make any of this possible. The Corinthians were wrong. This life is not all we get. We have Jesus himself as our promise, the first fruits of new life, where all the stuff that's broken in the world will get fixed as it comes underneath his feet. Choosing to follow Jesus means agreeing to have Jesus take his rightful place now that he will take on that final day. My experience uh, of making that decision is that as you make that decision, as you keep making that decision to submit to Jesus, to submit to God, to follow him, he starts fixing broken things. And he starts it now. You don't have to wait for for the end New life can start today.